0: Wow, such a powerful, powerful challenge to us to look at Calvary's love. What wondrous love is this? It is a wondrous love. Today we carry on in the scripture with a reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And it gives to us what we understand to be from biblical scholarship. A early Christological hymn describing what it was that Jesus came to do and to be here in our midst. So from the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians, hear the word of God as it comes to us through these scriptures. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Palm Sunday, particularly on a day when we observe it as we are on this particular day, takes us very quickly from the palms to the passion. As we deal with a theme like, what a wondrous love this is, as we move from palm to passion, we find so quickly that we are engulfed in the story of Jesus the story of his passion. Dan Nelson, who's a Lutheran commentator, says about this movement from the palms to the passion, the approach to this Sunday by the present lectionary is to give passing attention to the Palm Sunday entrance in Jerusalem and then to focus on the passion because the two are supposedly incompatible. However, it's only the juxtaposition of the triumphal entry and the passion that we face the unpredictable nature of human life and the supreme irony in which God is sacrificed by those to whom he came to give life. It may be easier to deal only with the crucifixion, but that is dealt with alone on Good Friday. This Sunday reminds us that strength is concealed in humility, pain is hidden in triumph, Victory in defeat, life in death, God in human form. If we're not careful, we will just skip right over the passion part this week. Because we love to have the children skipping down the aisles and waving palm branches. We love to have the celebration. We'd just as soon not look at the crown of thorns on the cross... In fact, you might have noticed that in some of our renderings of the image that's on the, uh, on the sermon notes page, some of those images are missing the blood. We just as soon do without the blood. We just as soon not have to face the cross. And face it, many of us will not return from, uh, to this place through the week, but we'll just skip right over to Easter And jump right into resurrection. It's so easy for us to skip over the suffering of Jesus. So easy for us to skip over the cross, the agony in Gethsemane. So easy for us to skip over his final words, his pain, his suffering. Another commentator wrote, In today's gospel readings, the first telling the first telling us of the Jesus of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and the second leading us into his arrest, trial, and crucifixion, we have laid out before us what Martin Luther and other reformers identified as two theologies which have competed for our allegiance down through the ages. The first is the theology of glory, which looks for God in the good and the powerful and the beautiful and the strong. The other is the theology of the cross, the cross which looks for God in exactly those places where we feel God's absence in pain, in humiliation, in suffering, in weakness, and even in death. A theology of glory is concerned with health and happiness and prosperity. A theology of glory centers on what God can do for us, how being a person of faith pays off for us in the end. A theology of the cross, on the other hand, is concerned with God, with who God is and with what God wills and with what God has done for us on the cross and to what God calls us in response. A theology of the cross is concerned with what looks like failure and what appears to be disaster and what seems to be utter and complete absence of God in our more desperate and trying moments. Because of that, today our children have brought us with palm branches into the holy city. But we quickly moved, did you notice, out of hosannas into beneath the cross of Jesus, and Calvary's love. Dictionary maker Merriam-Webster defines passion, that's passion with the capital P, the wondrous love that brings us passion, as the sufferings of Christ between the night of the Last Supper and his death. So we've heard in the Matthew passage, the Last Supper, Jesus' prediction of, of desertion on the part of his disciples. And we've heard about Gethsemane and the agony that he endured there. Matthew's version doesn't give it to us as strong as Luke's does. Matthew speaks to us of sleeping disciples and how Jesus wanders back and forth seeking seeking God's will and and then watching his disciples just falling away in exhaustion. Many think of Gethsemane as a relaxed garden scene, but it is in the garden that we see the agony of Jesus really begins— And in Luke's version, we find in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Have you ever poured out your soul to someone Ever been in one of those situations where you just needed to bear it all, just to lay it all out there, to share with someone something that was just tearing you apart? You really just poured your soul out to them. And you know how, how gut-riching an experience that can be. It's not only a gut-wrenching experience for the person who's sharing those sorts of things. It's also an emotionally draining experience for the one who hears those sorts of heartfelt, deep, soul-rending sorts of thoughts and feelings. Well, this was the kind of experience that Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane. Have you ever really poured yourself into something? You know, from time to time, I've seen volunteers in the church who have caught the sight of what God was trying to accomplish in a certain ministry in the church, and they've literally just poured themselves completely into it. They've put their sweat into it. They've put their time into it. They've put their emotional well-being into it at times. They've literally drained themselves Pour it out themselves on behalf of that ministry. I've seen people looking toward stop hunger now, getting ready to do the same thing. And on that day of the 26th, they'll just pour themselves out. Not just so that they'll get a pat on the back, but because they want to feed the world. People pour themselves out all the time. But here in the garden of Gethsemane, here in the garden, Jesus literally poured himself out. His sweat drops, his tears, and later, of course, he pours out even his blood. Jesus poured himself out to the extent that, as Philippians says, he emptied himself. Though he was in the form of God, emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Passion, with a capital P, was his period of suffering from the garden to his death. His Passion, though, with a little p, his Passion, was humble obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus showed us the way. And we have been called to that way. For Jesus, that meant giving up whatever glory he had. And he had it all. Glory, power, wisdom, you name it. You name it. He had it. And he let it go. The the, the word translated into the phrase exploited in our passage for today means clung to, held on to, clutched at and as we have it in some versions of the Scripture, that equality was, with God was something not to be grasped. Jesus had everything. And instead of clinging desperately to it, here in the, in the prospect of losing his own life, he opened himself to that and he let go of it all. Everything that he had, all the glory, all the power, all the strength, all the wisdom, all his life. Therefore, God has exalted him, given him the name that is above every name. And while we find ourselves standing at the foot of the cross looking for someone to blame, we begin to ask the question, so who is to be blamed for the death of Jesus? Most of us do what Pilate did. We wash our hands of it and decide we'll leave it to somebody else. The truly Christian answer is that we are all guilty. Historically, the the evidence from the Gospels seems to point both to the Jewish and to the Roman authorities who, in concert, bring about the death of Jesus. But theologically, however, we ought to say that the people as a whole, including all of us, were present in Pilate's courtyard that day. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? The only answer is yes, we were all there. I was there not as a sympathizer or a friend of Jesus. I was there as an enemy who asked for his blood. It's only then that I can truly say that he died for me. I'm the one who killed him. And that's when it begins to really home you see the obedient suffering of Jesus is the expression is his expression of his passion his passion for us and the obedient suffering of Jesus calls upon our passion what wondrous love is this it's a love that gives us passion the image of the crown of thorns before us Calls us to passion. The obedient suffering of Jesus is the expression of his passion. The obedient suffering of Jesus calls upon our passion. It calls us to faith and it calls us to obedience as well. It calls us to pour out ourselves on behalf of the world just as he did. A.W. Tozer comments, Faith as Paul saw it and as we see it here in the Philippians passage, was a living, flaming thing leading to surrender and obedience to the commandments of Christ. That means as we find Christ's passion at work in the world, as we find Christ's passion, him pouring out himself, him emptying himself for us, as we experience that passion, then it calls into our lives. Some of you might even remember the title of my first sermon here at St. Matthew's. Anybody dare a guess? (laughs) <laughs> well, it was only five years ago. <laughs> and, uh, the title of that sermon was For the Love of God. For the Love of God. And in that sermon, what I was trying to tell you was why in the world I do this. Why in the world would I stand up in front of people week to week? Why is it that I would endure life in the church as it can be sometimes? Why why would I do those things? Why would I go and reach into the lives of people and deal with their pain and deal with their struggles? Why is it that I would go and seek to pray with the sick? Why is it that I would go and work on his behalf and run off and hunt Easter eggs with children on Sunday afternoons and and jump off of cliffs with young people and row down rivers? and For the love of God because of the passion of Christ and because of the passion of Christ that worked its way into my life and became passion out of my own heart. But that's the response called for from every person. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. I don't know if his passion is calling your passion i don't know if you have discovered why it is that he's poured out himself for the world in such a way but his passion is calling out to your passion on this day what calls out your passion Where are you pouring yourself out? Where have you emptied yourself lately? How has his passion been lived out in your passion for the family of faith or in reaching out to the world with the life-saving love and grace of Jesus or your passion for reaching the least and the last and the lost? When's the last time you fell to your knees? When's the last time You confessed your faith. When's the last time you yielded to him as the Lord of your life? When's the last time you gave him all the credit, all the honor, all the glory? I challenge you to pour out yourself into his life and his death, into his passion this week, this week. As we close our service today, we seek to lift high the cross. And I know it's early. We haven't even gone to Maundy Thursday yet. But lest we skip over the Christ of Good Friday, we sing this hymn today. And as we sing it, perhaps God's calling you to respond in a very real way, to pour out your passion into the world in a way you haven't done it before because you've found that he indeed is the one who's been obedient even unto death, death on a cross, and you'd like to respond. Make your commitment as we sing. If God's calling you to be a part of this congregation, we who would pour out ourselves in the world even in this week, We invite you to come to the front and join us as we sing. Let's stand. It's number 159.